Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 25 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen. I'm the director of Seven Positive, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Annika Horn. From ideation to established companies, Annika Horn supports purpose-driven founders and their teams in successfully establishing, managing, and growing socially responsible companies. Annika currently calls Richmond, Virginia home, but travels frequently between the United States, Canada, Europe, and Australia. Through her work with Thrive, a local mentoring program, Unreasonable Lab Virginia, which is Virginia's first mini accelerator for social entrepreneurs, Venture Creation University at Virginia Commonwealth University, Co-Starters Virginia, which is a pre-accelerator for socially responsible business, and Lighthouse Labs, which is a non-profit accelerator for high-growth companies, Annika helps local founders validate their business models through one-on-one mentoring and acceleration programs. As beekeeper for local IT consultancy Impact Makers, Annika helps build and grow the community of certified B Corps and benefit corporations through networking, speaking engagements, and presentations events, online communication, and thought leadership. Annika also heads communications and outreach for the Startup Champions Network, representing the Virginia startup ecosystem. Before moving to Richmond, Annika worked in the non-profit sector, consulting, international development, higher education, and startup acceleration in Germany, France, and Australia. And Annika's research on international social enterprise support can be found on socialventures.com. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Annika's journey in founding a variety of social impact initiatives and the lessons she's learned along the way. We'll get Annika's valuable insights about the social innovation and enterprise sector around the world. And we'll hear Annika's tips to help social entrepreneurs be successful. Annika, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So to start things off, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you down this path of social enterprise and startups? Absolutely. So I was born and raised in East Germany and after high school, after having lived in such a small village on the East German countryside, I knew I wanted to go and explore the world. So among other things, I found myself in Thailand teaching English Mm. and, um, decided that I wanted to devote my career to really making a difference for people who were less fortunate than me. Mm. So what do you do when you want to make a difference for other people? You go and work for a charity, you go and work in development aid. But I soon realized in in both cases that the money we were pouring into those programs wasn't really making a lasting impact. Mm. It felt like we were putting a band-aid on things rather than really addressing the root cause. So I was a little disillusioned and found that that was not going to be my way of making a difference in yeah. the world. After all those experiences, I found myself working for a CSR consultancy for corporate social responsibility. Mm. And for the first time, I realized how powerful the combination of business 
and social and or environmental objectives can be yeah. if you really bring those together and you can show a business that they're going to fare much better if they keep in mind the impact that they're making on their environment physically and socially that's a very powerful driver to making a difference and around that time it was probably 10 years ago in berlin everybody was talking about social entrepreneurship and i didn't know what it was so i just started getting some experience talking to social entrepreneurs reading up and doing research and at that point i knew that i only had an undergrad by that time so i went back to school got a masters of science in sustainability and really crafted that two year graduate degree around social entrepreneurship corporate social responsibility corporate sustainability so mm. really trying to look at how we can use business as a force for good from very very different angles fantastic i especially fell in love with social entrepreneurship because it wasn't just an add on but the whole reason for those businesses to be in place was to make a difference for other people and i i found that very very powerful and in the process of figuring out how i could make a difference i found that i'm just very good at helping social entrepreneurs get off the ground and test their ideas so i moved more into the startup phase of social entrepreneurship and have been there ever since fantastic so in the introduction i listed a, a huge range of initiatives that you're involved with at the moment anika so can you please tell us a little bit more about these and and how they are creating and delivering on positive social impact absolutely we just started so i moved to richmond virginia on the east coast of the united states in july 2015 and i had just finished up a research trip for social ventures where i traveled around the world to find out what the best practices were in supporting social entrepreneurs around the world and what i found was i was suddenly living in this mid-sized market city and i knew very well what was working in social enterprise support in london berlin amsterdam new york melbourne you name it mm. but i didn't know what the best approach was going to be in a mid-sized city like richmond mm. so putting on my lean startup head i knew that we were just going to have to try a few different formats and that's what we did so in last september we ran something called unreasonable lab yep which comes out of the unreasonable institute based in boulder colorado and it's a one week business model validation lab where basically we use the lean startup method to work with early stage founders who have a social mission and teach them how they can validate their business models and that was one attempt off of just figuring out whether that would be a good approach for a place like richmond and yeah. uh we certainly learned a lot and one of the things we learned was that a one week intensive program from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. was automatically excluding a lot of people who mm. had full-time jobs, part-time jobs, needed daycare and whatnot. So yeah. we knew that the second test was going to be a different format but the same idea of helping people validate their business models. Mm. Especially through Thrive, my co-founder and I get in front of a lot of people with a business idea who don't know how to get started and we found ourselves in a position of preaching the same principles over and over again and we thought well it would probably make sense to create a program and push people through that program as a cohort mm -hmm. to really allow them to learn from their peers and have a more structured approach instead of one-on-one -on -one mentoring and that's how co-starters virginia came about it's another franchise program similar to unreasonable yep but it's a, it's simply a different format that is spread out over 9 weeks we meet on monday nights and go through the business model canvas and really work through customer discovery and validation and prototyping mm -hmm. revenue models so on and so forth yep so those are probably the most recent initiatives that i've launched in richmond to figure out how we can best support social entrepreneurs in a city that is 
not one of the big metropolitan areas and, and probably a little less sexy in in the field of social entrepreneurship, or so I thought. Mm. So in providing that support, Annika, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen these purpose-driven startups face and how have they navigated around them? Um, I would say three things come to mind. I think for one, they still very much battle with the fact that they're often mistaken for charity mm. because as soon as you use the term social, people think of charity and, and non-profit work. So really yeah. making clear that they are first and foremost a business that also has a social and or environmental impact as an issue. Mm. Secondly, especially the ones on the in the early stages still struggle with their storytelling because they know they want to lead with their value proposition but mm. still need to tie in that story in an authentic way. Yeah and communicate the impact that they're trying to create. And I think number three is more from the investor side, that it's hard for social entrepreneurs to raise investment because especially in Richmond, which is still a very traditional town, traditional city, there are two ideas about investment. Either you invest financially in, into a startup or you use your philanthropic dollars to give to a charity or a foundation. Mm. And what we've been trying to create over the last year and a half is a better understanding that they are not mutually exclusive and that by making a smart investment with a return on investment, you can also create a social impact by investing in a company that does not just maximize profit, but also has some love for creating a social or environmental impact in the community. Mm. So what advice then would you give to an aspiring social entrepreneur who has an idea at the moment but is really unsure of what steps they need to take in order to move that idea forward. I think the best way, and I tell this every entrepreneur that I work with, is go talk to your customers. Mm. Um, I've met a lot of social entrepreneurs who are more heropreneurs, yep. who know they want to be a social entrepreneur and they're going to figure out what issue in the world they want to solve along the way. Yep. And I don't think that's a healthy approach to really making a an impact. Mm -hmm. So figuring out whether that problem that you're seeing is a problem that only applies to you or to a bigger target audience is going to be the first step. Mm -hmm. And then really trying to understand the problem in depth. And by that, I mean, how does it affect the beneficiaries or the target audience in their daily life? How does it make them feel? What are their pain points? What are they hoping to gain from a solution that you're creating for yeah. them? So in short, I think it's crucial for any social entrepreneur to create a solution with the target audience mm -hmm. and not for them. Yeah, it's a great insight. So what are the biggest changes then that you've seen in this social enterprise sector in the last five years or so? And where do you see social enterprise heading into the future? You know, Tom, I had to think about this one a little bit because I've been so all over the place and it's, you know, I wouldn't want to try to compare the social enterprise sector in Australia with the one in Sweden mm. with the one in New York City, so it's really hard. Yeah. But um, one thing that I'm finding myself a little careful of or maybe suspicious of is the over-organization in the sector mm. that I think is really stifling the, the progress. So I'm not a big fan of institutions that want to serve social entrepreneurs but are static and bureaucratic mm. because, you know, social entrepreneurs are entrepreneurial. They constantly change. They constantly adapt. They need to be very lean in what they do. And I think having big organizations and big networks that are trying to regulate, that are trying to do advocacy, even though that's really important, yeah. is dangerous for the sector because it means we're going to be less able to respond quickly. Mm -hmm. 
And I think this bureaucracy is just a mindset that doesn't fit very well with what social entrepreneurship and especially social innovation is all about. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. So before you spoke a little bit about investment uh, as one of that, those third points before Annika, so what advice then would you give to someone who's looking to get that sustainable funding for their initiative? I think this is almost true for any kind of startup is have metrics in place and be able to prove that you have traction and that you've had some success. Mm. So even if all you have is a landing page, if you can show that you've had traffic on your page and people are willing to give you their email address to follow up with them, that is traction. You're proving to an investor that what you do is something that other people care about and that they want to engage in. So picking success metrics early on and really starting to track those rigorously is absolutely important. I think otherwise I wouldn't give anyone any money if I can't see that there is a real interest in the community. Yeah. And secondly, I think, again, as with any startup, lead with how you're going to be sustainable. It's, you know, there are so many heartwarming stories out there and that's all good and great. But if you're a social entrepreneur who wants to run a social venture, be it for-profit or non-profit, I think every investor wants to see how their money is going to do good in the long run and not mm. just be used up and they're going to come back a year later and open their hand and need more money. Yeah. Um, so there needs to be a certain model for financial sustainability. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs are still trying to figure out. Yeah, fantastic. So, I mean, in your travels around the world, Annika, you've you've lived and worked in a number of them. Which of these countries do you believe are really leading the charge when it comes to social enterprise or even social innovation? And what are they doing that you think that other nations can adopt? I would say what immediately comes to mind is the UK. They've just, they have several decades ahead of us. Mm not least thanks to the government's early understanding of what social entrepreneurship can do on a large scale. So the government, I think, um, as much as 20 or 30 years ago, started just giving out some grants that allowed for experimentation in the best support models for social entrepreneurship. Mm. And that has really helped raise awareness. And of course, if you have 20 to 30 years of experience in what works and what doesn't work in your society in terms of empowering, enabling, training social entrepreneurs, you're way ahead of the curve. Mm. And they've really figured out how can we use social entrepreneurship, not just as grassroots, but really to help us tackle some of the bigger societal problems that usually, you know, a lot of citizens look to government to solve for them. Yeah. But tying in social entrepreneurs is actually a really, really smart way. And I wish that more governments were we're following that example. And then um, I'm not saying that because I'm in Australia right now, but I have to say Australia and the support organizations that I met here in Brisbane and Melbourne really, really surprised me. Mm, the one thing that really stood out to me was the very self-critical approach that was very forward thinking about financial sustainability, teaching social entrepreneurship, social innovation, design thinking in high school, it's a conversation that you and I had, mm. was something that I didn't come across in other countries. And that was really, that was incredibly inspiring to see what you guys are doing down here. So I would say the UK and Australia are probably the countries I find myself talking about most when we discuss best practices. Mm, very interesting to hear. So you've mentioned government just before. Are there any specific actions that you've seen governments take beyond the UK that are really helping to create a community of these innovative social entrepreneurs or innovators? Um, unfortunately, 
outside of the UK, I can't say that I have. Mm. But it's possible that I just didn't ask the right questions. I think in general, the role for government is really help set a framework that allows social innovators to experiment, mm. to fail quickly without doing too much damage on the way. Yeah. And really just, you know, set that framework and the regulation, but then also get out of the way. Yeah. Because I just don't think that government has a big role to play in really getting deeply engaged in in social innovation processes i Mm. think there's a step for them to help prepare the ground and then also to reap the fruit but in between i think social entrepreneurs and innovators and change makers are best left alone Mm. to figure out what works and what doesn't and then tie it back into the system once we know what works it's very interesting to hear so are there any particular tools that you use which have proven to be invaluable in the development and daily running of these different projects annika you're going to laugh about me, but um, I really do actually have a business model canvas hanging in my house that helps me just keep track of what I'm trying to do in the different initiatives that mm. I'm engaged in. Yep. To really help me stay accountable and keep an eye on the big picture, because as you know, when you work day to day and you've got your head down in the nitty gritty business, then it's sometimes hard to remind yourself of why you're doing it and what success looks like, mm. and especially because I'm involved in four or five different projects at a time, I need to sit back, or in this case, really stand back from a business model canvas and make sure I'm still on track. Yeah. So I think everyone who, who starts to understand the business model canvas and the value that's in it finds that it's something that you can repeat in your everyday life and just really apply to everything that you do. It becomes a way of thinking that has really helped me move quickly, try things out, and adapt along the way. Yeah, fantastic. So what other inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently which are really creating some great positive social impact? Over the last year or so, I've really find myself enjoying kind of pop-up events. So things that aren't a programmatic eight-week something kind of setup, but Mm. more things like creative mornings. We have something in Richmond called Mindful Mornings that takes place every six weeks. Mm. Um, Across the U.S., we have One Million Cups where on a Wednesday morning, entrepreneurs come together and do sort of a fireside chat. And what I like about those events is what I was touching on earlier is they're not this over-institutionalization. They're more short bursts of inspiration with like-minded people that really reminds us of why are we doing this job and why are we here? You do a little bit of networking and then you get on with your day. And I find that very invigorating. Mm. And just in in terms of work capacity at the moment, that's the only thing that I can really fit into my schedule and still walk away on clouds and feel really inspired for the rest of the day. They sound like some really useful activities, Annika. So to finish off then, what are the top three books that you'd recommend to our listeners? Hmm. I definitely recommend for anyone who wants to learn more about social entrepreneurship to read Getting Beyond Better by Sally Osberg and Roger Martin. Mm. In my role as more of an ecosystem builder, I really enjoyed Brett Fell's Startup Communities Mm -hmm. because it's really a guide, almost like a one-on-one on how to build a thriving startup community. And I, as I was reading it, I just felt like he was really onto something and has a smart way of thinking about how to add value to the busy life of social entrepreneurs and, you know, create an ecosystem that can nurture and sustain itself. Mm. 
And then thirdly, a book that has been on my list for way too long is Let My People Serve by Yvonne Chouinard. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I heard um, it's a great read, so I can't wait to get my hands on that one. Yeah, I love that book. It provides a really great snapshot of how he created, essentially, Patagonia. And it's certainly very inspiring. Annika, you've provided some really, really great and generous insights today. So thanks so much for your time, and I hope you have a wonderful stay in Australia, and we'll look forward to touching base again in the future. Excellent. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people, and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page, and Twitter.